Hey, welcome in Stinky Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlerth, Millennial Ben, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app. Check them out at betrivers.com. Also, stinkinggood.com. Go ahead, order some of that green chili, some of that queso dip. You are going to be glad you did. Mike, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. Uh, good to be back here with you as we uh, inch, what are we now, about uh, three Three weeks away from the start of training camps? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the training camps will start at the end of July. Yeah. So, yeah, we're two and a half, three weeks away. Yeah. Is Dude, this, a, is, is this the time, time of year? we won't have football going into, like, it, it, uh, into March, right? Yes. And then with all the other offseason stuff that we, we, we love. Oh, yeah, no, it's about ready to start. The ride's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of storylines. Yeah. The big one this week, Baker Mayfield. Traded to Carolina. We Boy. we knew he was going to get dealt, right? It was just a matter well, of I mean, where. The, the Cleveland Browns, you want to talk about a colossal mess. What a mess they have made. Like, one of the things I, I actually feel guilty about, or not guilty, guilty is not the right word, but feel, um, call it remorse, call it empathy, I think is the right word, for Cleveland fan. Like, Cleveland fan is one of the great fans in the National Football League. They lost their team. They moved to Baltimore. They won championships in Baltimore. Then they got a team back. You know, they've gone through this never-ending carousel of quarterbacks. We've all seen the jersey that's got a list of 27 different quarterbacks, whatever it is, right? They they get a first-round pick. They take it on Baker Mayfield, and then they go into this dalliance with a dude that probably is not going <laughs> to play this year. At least it doesn't look like he'll play this year, but he's going to serve some significant suspension into Sean Watson. And while they were having this tryst or this dalliance with with Deshaun Watson, they were basically, you know, taking a dump in in Baker Mayfield's cereal bowl. Right? Like you're like, hey, hold on, Baker. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're just like. You're like, really? You are so freaking eloquent. Right. You're like, really, you guys? This is what we're doing right now? And then, you know, you're you're trying to mend fences with Baker. And Baker, you know Baker. Baker's got a list, right? He's got a list of – he's he's got a list that's uh, more stringent than Santa Claus's list, right? <laughs> he's making a list. He's checking it three or four yeah, times. Forget yeah, about yeah, twice. Yeah. I mean, he's got that list out, and you are now on his list. So you knew you were going to have to move on from him. And, oh, by the way, you owe him $18 million. You think you're getting anybody to pick that tab up? Nope. So they finally trade him away to Carolina. By the way, earlier, just a couple of months ago, both Carolina and basically the, the report was Carolina and Baker Mayfield have, I, I remember the wording, mutual disinterest in one another. <laughs> Wasn't that the wording, mutual disinterest? And here we are now. Robbie Anderson, the receiver, right, was 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 asked about the idea of Baker Mayfield and said, "Quote, hell oh, no. no." Right. So now you've got Baker Mayfield in Carolina. The Carolina Panthers are only paying what seven and a half of the eighteen million or whatever it is. I think it's ten and a half million. Cleveland is eating on that contract. Hey, you just you want to talk about you're playing poker. And you're playing all your cards face up and everybody else has got their cards down. And you're going in bluff. Like Cleveland is bluffing people with their cards all face up. Well, can I challenge you on, sure, on one please. part of that? Please. 
did Cleveland really screw this up? Because if you're playing the long game, won't Cleveland win in the end? Do you believe that Deshaun Watson will eventually get back to being an elite quarterback, which he was before all this began? Yes. Then they'll eventually win in the long haul. They'll get a, a they have a young, still young, not even in his prime mm-hmm. quarterback who's going through all kinds of stuff now, but eventually it will clear and he'll start playing football games. And if you're confident that he'll get back to being right. the quarterback that he was before, then in the long run, Cleveland wins with all this. They didn't screw it up. Well, no. Uh, okay, so that part, yes, is true. Where they screwed it up is is from a business management standpoint. You knew, you knew that there was going to be a, a suspension. You didn't know what it was, but you knew there was going to be one. Yet you still chose to give him the highest contract in the history of the National Football League, fully guaranteed. You gave him a basketball deal. Mm-hmm. So you chose to do that. You chose to do that while you knew the suspension was pending and while you knew you were trying to move Baker Mayfield. Again, so, playing the long game. you playing the long game, but really, really cutting your own legs out from underneath you in regards to ever being able to get anything for Baker. They got a fifth rounder for Baker Mayfield, which goes into a whole different subject. So you, you're from the long game standpoint, yes. But they did no they did no favors to themselves either, given that fully guaranteed contract, because you know what now has been established? Fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah, the rest of the league doesn't like Cleveland right now. Well, they hate them. Yeah. Right? So nobody was gonna like nobody wanted to deal with Cleveland anyhow. So long story short, I, I think I think just from a management of the contract standpoint, they've screwed this up. The other thing is the way they structured the contract to limit the financial damage to Deshaun Watson. Hey, great for Deshaun Watson from a building loyalty to the franchise standpoint, but boy, it sends a really bad message. The NFL, the Cleveland Browns have sent a really bad message message that we'll tolerate, um, you know, we'll tolerate, quote-unquote, and, and listen, accusations, but criminal, criminal, criminal behavior, um, you know, we'll, we'll tolerate that if we think you can play. And, oh, not only that, but we'll, I mean, we'll essentially, we'll essentially structure your contract so you get all your money and the and the fines are, are your minimum wage fine. You went from, you went from being fined $1.8 million a game to about being fined, what, $50,000 a game or something like, I mean, it's, it's, that part is insane. So it's just a bad look. I, as a matter of fact, I got, and, and I think this is, I don't think it's, I think it's prevailing now, Mike, but I don't think it, it, it will last if Deshaun Watson comes in and, and plays the way we expect him to play whenever that happens to be. I don't think it'll last, but right now I've had people tweet me, hit me up on social media in different places, basically saying, I was a huge diehard Cleveland Browns fan. I am no longer. I am I'm a fan of anybody playing against Cleveland. This this you know this signing really bothers me. And I think there's a lot of people that feel that way right now, but I think there are a lot of the same people that felt that way about, you know, the NFL taking a knee and everything. I'll no longer watch. I I talked to a guy, uh I don't know where I was this weekend. I talked to a dude that said, um I really quit watching. Oh, I was I was 
flying home on the, on the plane and was talking to me about about football. I was, you know, I was a diehard fan for a while, and then all that kneeling and all the lack of, you know, lack of patriotism. I quit watching. I was like, uh-uh, not me. I'm, I'm just going, okay, yeah, whatever, like stuff I didn't really care about or even need to know. But go ahead, lay out your political beliefs to me if you want to. I'm just some stranger on a plane that happens to be studying football, right? Like, whatever, dude. Go ahead, unleash. Lay it out there. But I'm back now. I, I've, I've come back. They've come back around, and so I've come back around. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> like, you never really. laughed. Right, yeah. But anyhow, yeah, you you kind of get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I think once he starts playing, it's always been my argument mm-hmm. throughout all this, is that whatever team ends up with Deshaun Watson will take the initial rollback. Right. They'll take the slings and arrows. And then once he goes Correct. out there and starts throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns and they're winning games, then he becomes a redemption story. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it amazing what he was able to do yeah. and blah, blah, blah. By the way, the other thing is there's some suits from some of some of his accusers now against the Houston Texans, right? Because the Houston Texans apparently set him up with rooms at some ritzy establishment so he could go get his massages. Like, holy Moses. Daniel uh, Snyder's going, hey, I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> what what do uh what's the lesson learned that uh Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, the two quarterbacks that went one two in the draft in one, 2008, three, one and one, three. Yeah, but the first two quarterbacks right. that went. Yeah, okay, I got um, you. but yeah, went one and three, the first two quarterbacks off the board, uh, are now basically NFL journeymen who are just going to be competing against each other for the starting job in Carolina. What What's the lesson that we take from their stories? It's just, again, it's amazing. Like, don't just take a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback because you need a quarterback. You got to take the right quarterback, and you better do your due diligence. And you can't take a flyer on a dude and, and, you know, the crazy thing to me, Mike, is you hear all the people out there like, well, top five guy, you got to take a chance, see if it works on your franchise, blah, 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 blah. And they'll wait the the quarterback position. I understand waiting the quarterback position because of the value of the quarterback position, right? So you're like, hey, we got to wait this thing out, you know, and if, uh, you know, like put more weight on that quarterback position. So if you're looking at a guy that you have rated as a 9.5, and you got a quarterback that's rated as an 8.5, but you just need a quarterback. Well, the 8.5 becomes a 9.6 because of the weight value of the quarterback. Well, then we need to weight the value of the quarterback once you kick his ass to the curb, right? And and that's my big thing is how much does it set your franchise back when, one, you play him for three or four years, you you invest in him, you, you let other guys that potentially could have been better – go by because you've already invested in this guy and then he doesn't work and you have to pay for him to leave. Like, what does that do to your franchise? So, you know, there's, there's that, there's that, that value as well. And now you've got out of that 2018 quarterback class that we have dubbed the hall of fame five, you know, because everybody got so giddy about him. Josh Rosen. I don't even know if he's on a team anymore. You've got Sam Darnold and you got Baker Mayfield. Now, now, Obviously, Josh Allen is is great in Buffalo, and you know Lamar Jackson's won an MVP, but they don't want to pay him in Baltimore, right? I mean, they they're not sold that he is the long term answer in Baltimore. 
But this this battle, this epic battle. I mean, this is this is going to be an epic battle between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Um, it's like a sword sword fight using two pool noodles. Like, <laughs> like nobody wins that battle. No, no, like, no, no. In the end, in the end, nobody gets stabbed. Right? Nobody gets you know, we get slashed. It's it's uh. Well, it's before a pretty... we get before we get to who wins that battle, because like, you're you're going down an interesting road to me because. You had three of the first four quarterbacks taken in that draft have all been busts. Right. Okay. So, so was 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 this just a case of just really, really poor evaluation when it came to these quarterbacks, Mayfield, Darnold, and Rosen, or was it that these teams understood when they made the picks? This is a hail mary. This is a very risky pick. All right. And we are completely overdrafting this guy, but we've convinced ourselves we need a quarterback, and mm-hmm. this is supposed to be one of the highly touted ones, so we're going to take him. It, it, it's got to be one of the two. So d- is it just a massive, poor evaluation of these guys, or was it these teams' eyes wide open, understanding we are taking a massive gamble with these guys? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, can it be a combination of the two things? Or uh, you're talking about three of the first four guys failed. So either right. either you got some people who, at the most important position in sports, don't know what the heck they're looking at, mm-hmm. or as I tend to believe, they're smart people. They know what they're looking at. They understand that there's some high risk with these guys, but we need a quarterback. Right. We don't have a quarterback, and there's enough in our evaluation to suggest it could be high reward, but we understand we're taking a big gamble, and we're overdrafting these guys. Yeah. Well, I think, one, they all know they're overdrafting them, and because we as a Players Association, you know, bit the big fish hook, um, I love the fact that we negotiated on behalf of rookies coming in that have no power to negotiate, right? So we just basically, as a players' association, absolutely put them, bent them over the barrel, the, agreeing to the rookie wage scale and everything else. <laughs> like how stupid! Like that, that, that may be, that may be, in my estimation, one of the dumbest things that we we want. You want to talk about letting the owners get over on you? I mean, the owners have always gotten over on us as, as fans. Though we love it, we don't have to worry about first round picks holding out mm-hmm. or anything like that. We know as soon as they get drafted, where they're going to sign for, how much or, they're going to sign for. There's yeah. no drama anymore. There is no drama, and you know you're going to get your guy in camp and all that kind of stuff, and um, and, and that's great. But it has allowed you as a franchise to take a second or third round guy that you have a second or third round grade on. And overdraft him in the first round, and just hope. I mean, you're selling. You're, you're ultimately you're selling hope. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey man, we know the odds are Sam Darnold. Like right. Sam Darnold threw a bunch of picks in college. Right. What What makes us think all of a sudden he's going to figure it out in the NFL? It's probably not, but maybe. You know, hey, if we prop him up and we put the right people around him, what did I say about Baker Mayfield coming out? A lot of people had him very highly rated, highest completion percentage in the history of college football. And what did I say? 
Yeah, when you throw six bubble screens a game, two middle screens, three middle screens a game, you got a couple of rollout passes, you know, you you, you throw a couple swing passes, you you're you walk into every game at Oklahoma and you know you're 18 for 18 when you walk in. Now if you can be 50% on the other throws you make, hey, I'm completing 72% of my passes. Hey, well, hey, no kidding. Whoop de doo, Basil. They're all behind the line of scrimmage. Like I, I, like I was like, I'm watching, and I don't watch a lot of college football. It's background noise because I'm prepping to do NFL games and stuff. But I'm watching it, going, well, shoot, I, I, yes, I could, yeah, like I, I got that one. I got, hey, I got that one in my repertoire. Yeah. Don't think I wasn't a quarterback in the seventh grade. I could, I could complete that one. So I, you know, I mean, I, whatever. But it, it epic battle of. So you're telling me that after. Months and months of evaluation, millions of dollars spent, resources spent right. in evaluating these guys. They put together a dossier on these guys, and there's all kinds of concerns and red flags submitted by scouts and evaluators, and they basically take it, throw it in the trash, and say, we're going to take them anyway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and guess what we're going to do? All you folks that are fans— that don't know what you're looking at anyway, mm-hmm. we're going to sell you on the p- p- potential. potential. Right. Potential of this dude. Yep. Right? Yep. I mean, hey, listen. Baker Mayfield, you know, that list that he kept and that chip on his shoulder and that that's competitive. That's, you know, I mean, list all the positives. All the positives. So he's competitive, man. He's a dogged competitor. He is, you know, he's he's got, he's got, uh, you know, he's got bravado. He's got whatever. Now it's, hey, listen, the guy's immature. The mm-hmm. guy doesn't have, the, you know, the right? And it's just how you spin it. Like Eli Manning, Eli Manning went from dude has lack of passion and he's, you know, he's like he's got, you know, he's lethargic and he doesn't care to, oh, my God, the guy's got ice water in his veins, right? I mean, right. it's the narrative that you sell. And you know, and and the NFL. Let's let's face let's face it. It's it's the greatest soap opera on the planet. And, and let's also understand with Josh Allen, Buffalo. Buffalo had, I, I'm I'm quite confident in saying Buffalo had some of these same concerns about Josh Allen. Oh, they early didn't, they didn't no, know for sure. He was completing fifty two percent of his passes. They didn't or know for sure that they were going to get this, but it worked out. Right. Now, so the argument could be, well, it's a it's a risk worth taking. Well. We we talking about four quarterbacks: Mayfield, Darnold, Rosen, Allen. W- one worked out. One out of four worked out. Mm. Three of them failed. You tell me how many great businesses are built on? I'm going to continue to make decisions based on a 25 percent success rate. Because that's what you're talking about, right? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take risks. With a idea that I'm going to get a 25 percent chance of it working, who who's going to last long doing that? Right. It just well, what it depends on is is the 75 percent that fail are those, you know, your your penny or dollar investments, and the 25 percent that succeed are your bazillion dollar. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> right, like? Right. How much how much do you how much weight do you put on it? Um, I just I I think that I think the way the league the the way the league has has been structured and you know they have a they have a propensity 
to be knee-jerk, to change rules. To, to One thing about the NFL, you can like it or you can hate it, but the bottom line is they understand how to play the game, right? And they keep morphing this thing in with their rule changes and the way they look at things. They keep morphing this thing in to look like the video game that the kids that play it grew right. up playing. Right. 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 And so they continue to do this time and time again. And they've they've created this this offensive structure where they throw it consistently, you know, 65, 70% of the time. And and they have eliminated they've eliminated the pain of being wrong. So I think the franchises are taking calculated risks going, hey, man, if we hit, great. If we don't, we'll be crappy for two years. We'll sell the hope. we crappy for two or three years. We move on, and guess what we'll be? Picking in the top five again, and we'll do it again. Yeah. And we'll do it again. And our fans will fall for it again. I mean, look at look at what Arizona did. <clears throat> Arizona took Josh Rosen at what, 10? I think it was 10, right? They knew instantly when he got there. Oh shoot! <laughs> that, they were like, I'm buddies with Steve Kime. He's their general manager. They're like, oh god, you want to talk about Cones? There's a guy that just goes, nah. You know what? He's not our guy. Sorry, I invested your money poorly, but I'm not going to hamstring the franchise. We're still, we're still picking first. Let's go, Kyler Murray. And they just pulled the trigger and did it. And then not only that, they fired their coaching staff after one year. One year, gone. We're going to bring in a coaching staff that knows how to run this college system, and we're going to try to give him every opportunity. And guess what? Each year, they've won more games. Year three, they were a playoff team. So, you know, I mean. But they remain the outlier right now because they're the only team that comes to mind where after yes. just one year, they did this. But you, But you know, because after one year, and they still had the first overall pick. Right. The next year. So, but I will give Steve Kime and the Arizona Cardinals a ton of credit. They knew as soon as he walked in the building that they picked the wrong guy. You know, I mean, we were in Denver here when they took Paxton Lynch, and yeah. we try to, I mean, we try to make that farce work for three years. They knew from day one, they knew. Right. But they're the outlier because most franchises yeah, Arizona, will try because to Arizo- justify the right. pick. Because Arizona and I and I, I have had this conversation with Steve Kime. He's a good. He's a friend of mine. He's a good friend of mine. He he'd just be like he'd just be like here's here's the deal. It was either going to work for me, or I was going to get fired. But I was at a point where I was like, I'll get fired. Such is life. But I am not gonna. I am not gonna kick the can down the road with Rosen for another two years and be like. I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll the freaking dice and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to figure it out. And yeah, you want to talk about it. most guys? That's gutsy. Most GMs right. are in CYA mode, right? And so he was just like, one or the other is gonna happen. And if I get fired, you know what? I'll move on and and I'll go back into scouting or whatever. Or you know, I'll just I'll just be done and I'll move on to something else in life. All right. So who wins the epic battle in Carolina? The pool noodle fight? <laughs> Who wins the pool noodle fight? The Jeez, pool noodle that's fight. That's all I'm going to be thinking about now. Right. <laughs> Ungod! Ungod! <laughs> uh, listen, it, like, 
Like what I tell you, it's it's like the choice between eating a turd or eating a turd with sprinkles on it. <laughs> both of both of them taste like crap. Uh-huh. Like like you can put all the sprinkles you want on a turd. You know what? The bottom line is that chewy center in the middle. Oh come on! Still tastes oh, like geez. crap. Uh, Again with the eloquence. I am going to I'm going to say that I will I'll. I, I would bet if I was a gambling man, I'd put my money on Baker Mayfield winning that winning that fight. Uh, I still think he's got some bravado. I think most of his issues last year were injury-related. He was injured a bunch last year. I think he's he's probably he's probably not quite the quarterback he was in 2020. 2020 and maybe just they had such a good running game and the team was so good that 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 he he probably played above you know above his his limitations a little bit but he certainly wasn't as bad as he was last give year give me a comp give me a give me a quarterback that we'll all recognize that you think this is his his potential he can be the next fill in the blank oh see that that one's that I'm trying to think like I think he can be kind of a a Kirk Cousins. Okay. You can win with a good team around mm-hmm. him. Now he doesn't have the personality of Kirk Cousins, you know, but you know, push comes to shove and you get a a big matchup like you're probably you're not going to probably outduel one of the you know, when Kirk Cousins faces Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you're losing. Yeah, but that's it. that's pretty consistent with most. Right. Yeah. I so I I think that I think that Baker has got that got that in him. I think that I think that Sam Darnold was one. He was so bad with the Jets. Not that he was given much of an opportunity, Mike. He was so bad with the Jets. But I think last year in Carolina. What they did and the way he played and just the way he fell apart. I called the game where he got replaced against the Giants where he was just, I mean, it was, it was just God awful. It was awful. And so, and you feel bad for him, right? But Yeah, but you can't come out after, I think it was a loss to New England and he's, he admits, he goes, I was, I was seeing ghosts. I was seeing ghosts out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's not what you want to hear from your quarterback. Right, <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> right, so think yeah. it, don't say it. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyhow, I I would give that the epic pool noodle fight. I would give that. Uh, I give the nod to uh, to Baker. Just that. remember, folks, when you hear us referencing this in this podcast uh, mm-hmm. during the the training camp and early part of the season, this is where it all began. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yep, the pool noodle fight. Yes, on God. <laughs> oh, watch you! I stick you with my rapier point. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Well, that's a much better image than the uh, two turds with the sprinkles too. So I'll I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, so. I will go with that as well. well yeah. Who do you got? Who you got? I think I go with Baker too. Yeah, I think I'd go with Baker because at least you've seen with Baker that if you put put a good team around him, he can he can manage it. He can right. win it. He can win with it. It'll be interesting. I mean, you know, Baker would have a chance, I believe, to 
to really lead that team, maybe even do a playoff berth. Uh, maybe not a playoff berth, but at least be at least be fighting for a wild card spot if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy. I mean, because what Christian McCaffrey gives yeah. you, not only in the running game, but the dynamic nature of the passing game and how he covers a multitude of sins and how on third down and seven you can dump it behind the line of scrimmage and that guy gets you first downs. Like if that can, like that that would take a a ton of pressure off of Matt Rule and everybody else within that organization. Well, the point you made earlier, maybe you're not starting every game eighteen for eighteen like he did at Oklahoma, but you're you're starting the game basically four for four, five for five. Yeah, twelve for twelve, whatever. With, with whatever Christian it McCaffrey, is. Yeah. right? And then it you know it comes down to Bob McAdoo. Does he has he grown into that gigantic jacket he borrowed from an offensive <laughs> lineman when he became the head coach of the Giants? He just needed to put on weight. Always That's... be weary. Always be wary of your head coach showing up at his first press conference and he doesn't have a sport coat. Right. Just looks like a complete and total ass clown. Like, <laughs> dude, seriously. Get a coat that fits. Like, you're gonna make a couple million dollars. Yeah. I don't know. Invest in a sports coat that fits. Crying out loud. Well, I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> That guy was a toolbox. Hey, listen, for everybody invented, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, I am Stink. He is Mike Evans. Thanks to Millennial Ben for producing the show. All the great folks over at Bet Rivers at BetRivers.com. And stinking good green chili at stinkinggood.com. For Mike, I'm Mark. Thank you so much for listening.